Welcome to the Six Levers Podcast, where we talk about simple tools for healthy teams. I'm your host, Josh Aranda. Let's go. Your trip, we just make that our formal check-in, <laughs> our informal check-in. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've never done anything like this before, so it's definitely the, the longest I've ever moved <laughs> like, i walked ran anything like that so um josh and i were talking about this a little bit later it, it josh had described these like levels of fun one of them i guess level three is joe have you heard josh talk about this no I've not. i think it might have been jason that was on with it but but like yeah the, the level three is like you're actually not having any fun while it's happening but you realize it's fun later <laughs> and and i always like when you said this and i was like that doesn't sound like like that sounds like only people like you would would enjoy something like that, and like normal people wouldn't wouldn't uh, think of that as any category of fun. But but it happened. Like I was like I, I found that like the next day because I was as I was finishing like the final three or four miles up getting out of the Grand Canyon, it was it was just so hard that I it was like the fun was the furthest thing on my from my mind. But then like as soon as like dinner that night and even certainly the next day I was like, that was pretty awesome. Like, that was cool. Like, I'm glad I got to do it. And I already started imagining like doing it again. <laughs> so awesome. it was, it was pretty cool to experience that for the first time. So level one fun is like, everybody agrees that it's fun. Like you can generally see on everybody's face that like people are having fun board games for the most part are fun. And then like level two is like, it's kind of mixed where it's like, it's fun during it. Some people want to have it and it's kind of hard. And then level three fun, it's like, nobody's having fun during it. And it's only fun in retrospect. And it's just always enjoyable thinking about that. Like, oh, this is level two fun. Like <laughs> this is level three fun. We'll appreciate this tomorrow or in a month or in a year. Um, but uh I just, it's a it's a real thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> REI has REI has like a good post about it on their website that I I revisit occasionally. But it was cool, like talking to Sean this morning. It's like, is that the hardest thing that you've ever done physically? He's like, absolutely. And I was like, that is so cool. Like this past weekend, you literally just did the hardest thing you've ever done physically, and it just like blows my mind. It's like, just happened. So that's awesome. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know what the yeah, there's some learning in here about, I know we're going to talk about momentum today about like the line between like just getting out there and doing it and being as prepared as you need to be. And I think I moved a little too far to like just get out there and do it. Like I definitely felt like I should have been 10 to 15% better shape to do this. So I don't know what the lesson there is, um, whether I was good to just do it and it'd be harder than it maybe had to be or to have waited uh, a little bit longer. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. Like, I think it is a, it's an interesting segue to use to like break into the topic of momentum. Cause I think that was the grand Canyon, like 4,000 feet drop from the top of the, the rim, yeah, almost five, like 4,800. So you go 4,800 feet straight downhill for three and a half miles. You putts around and then you go 4,800 feet back up over four miles or whatever. And like, if you think about the, the formula or whatever of, of momentum, it's mass times velocity, right? So going downhill, you're going a little bit faster, right? It's hard on your joints, but you have pace, but then going uphill, it's, it's grueling, right? What'd you say? Like your last mile and a half was how long, Sean? Uh, and 
last mile and a half was probably an hour and 15 minutes or so. I mean, it was, it took a while. Yeah. And that was, you know, after like that was mile 18 and 19. So it was, it was, it took a long time. Were you stopping as well? Yeah. Or was it the slow? Yeah. Was, at that point we were stopping like every third of a mile. Yeah. yeah. Cause we were so, it's almost like you're just, you're just climbing stairs to get yeah. out basically. Yeah. They said they, Shaw was telling me they met this guy who's like very fit and like kind of bouncing up and down. Like, looks like he was kind of like hopping on rocks. And he's like, You guys only have a third of a mile left. It's like less or a little bit more than a lap on a track. It's like, Are you kidding me, dude? Like, go bounce around on your own. <laughs> yeah, my friend, my friend didn't say anything. I think he just looked like, just looked up at him. <laughs> I looked over at him and I could tell I was reading his mind of like, he really had some not nice thoughts going at that point about this guy. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, as we're talking about momentum, I'd love to just start off with how would you describe momentum, right? We just talked about Sean climbing in and out of the Grand Canyon, but how do we relate this to overall organizational health and the way that an organization, a team moves throughout their work on a quarterly basis, on an annual basis, or however long they're in existence. Um, Joe, I'd actually love for you to kind of kick this off and do some framing for us. Just like, how do you see this play out and how would you put momentum in your words as it relates to organizational health? Yeah, Josh, I, I, I've, I'm like taking notes here and thinking about that velocity, that formula that you just described um, and thinking about what it takes to improve your velocity. Um, thinking about Sean and his partner versus the other person on the trail who was had a little bit quicker pace at that point and like if we think about and connect it back to the momentum formula what does it take to create more velocity more pace and it's in so many ways what we're going to learn about here today is how momentum is this this practice right it's this thing that if you if you really build it into your culture some of the things related to momentum that your pace your velocity is going to improve and so even in these moments where you might naturally feel like it's the type of thing where there's going to be a lot of friction, you're going to feel like you need to move slower through it. Um, you know, maybe it's a big strategic planning process. If you have this culture of momentum and you've, you've, you've practiced it, you're going to feel a bit of a faster pace, um, even going, even going uphill. Um, but you know, when we think about the momentum lever, um, we really think about this as like sort of the spirit of the operating system, right? It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, we talk about like being in a certain state of being as a, as a human at times and really trying to embrace, you know, these different values, you know, as, as a human, as an organization, we think about it as almost an organizational state of being where you have this real posture toward progress um, and, and thinking about how as an organization, can we accelerate work? How can we move things forward and continuously make progress and, and encourage our teams to make progress? Uh, and so, you know, there's, we'll get into the different building blocks of, of how you do that. But I think at the highest level, it starts with a, a mindset shift. You know, it, when we thought, when we were developing the framework, um, this was the, in many ways, it felt like the thing that always existed from the beginning, like, like, because you mentioned the spirit of it, like the spirit of it 
even though we didn't have the right words to form, were always there. Like when we talked about like, what was the essence and what were we trying to achieve and what would it feel like? And some of those key things you mentioned, you mentioned this, like this, uh, leaning towards progress. But another key part of that was like this idea of learning. And, and we talked a little bit about learning and curiosity when we talked about, about the leadership lever, but really so much of, of what's rooted in, in momentum is this idea of continuously improving and, and doing that through key learnings and insights and saying, how do we more make that normative and kind of encode that into the way organizations work? And, and that's why ultimately I think it elevated all the way to it's like, this is its own lever. It is a huge piece of the way, you know, we hope teams operate um, and, and why we've developed so many different tools and frameworks around or building blocks, I should say, around, around this idea. I, lo- I love the idea of thinking about the momentum as a formula, but I don't always like have the real applications of it. But that little example just now, like made me think about one for the first time, which was sort of that, like the mass versus velocity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually thinking about how to apply that, I actually feel mm-hmm. like I've got some, like the, velo- you know, the velocity <laughs> piece. Thinking in particular about like the idea of the hiking example. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the maybe the mass is like the work in some ways and the velocity is the the work and the team and some of the things that like for that moment are like just the weight of the situation and the velocity mm-hmm. having to do with like you know, the muscles that you've built to move your move like to move you forward, the pace part. Um and so you could have two different teams, similar situation, but who's gonna generate more momentum? It's gonna be the team with who can move more quickly pace through. All right. So Joe, as you were talking to, you mentioned one of the momentum mantras, and I'd love for you to dive a little bit deeper on the rest of them. And I'm sure I'll have other questions pop up, but I'd love to hear just the explanation of each one and why they're a part of the overall lever um, and how you see it play out in some of the uh, organizations that we work with. Yep. Yeah. So, so one of them is progress is fuel. And I think that this one is maybe sort of the the most generic, but really represents like why we kept leaning into this momentum lever. And it was because we were, we were really, you know, studying what was working internally, but also with our clients and, and started to notice, you know, that when either internally on projects or externally teams were able to just create progress in a, routine regular way we sort of saw it have this amazing impact on you know not only was it moving them forward um but they were engaged by it right and and or if it was an internal project we were feeling engaged by it so we were feeling we were we were seeing the benefits of progress both in terms of whatever the objective of what we're working towards we're moving it forward we're feeling it but we're also feeling good about that right and so this real study going on around the, the impact of progress. And so then the next question was, what is pro- like, w- what contributes to creating a culture where, where progress happens regularly, right? And, and so what we started to notice was that there were sort of these like mindsets or what we now call mantras that help to enable progress, right? So we saw progress as fuel, that's number one. You heard us talk about progress over perfection. So taking this posture of, um, you know, incremental progress, iterative development, even over like excellence. So sometimes excellence is what competes with progress or this 
striving for perfection. Um, and you know, that can just be so paralyzing for us, right? We oftentimes bring in that language of analysis paralysis that teams experience when facing a, a big decision, facing a big planning process. Uh, so progress over perfection. Um, probably the most controversial one is action even over analysis. And we love speaking to this one because, um, you know, at the end of the day, like we're big believers in, in analysis and being driven by data and being informed by you know any bit of evidence that we can bring to it and the importance of understanding it, learning about it. And yet, if we don't do anything about it, right, we don't see progress. We just, it's, it's sort of all of that learning and that insight is just like sitting with us waiting to be leveraged to, to engineer progress. And so we push teams to think about what action are you going to take even, and, and so think about it even over analysis. So reframe your question during any analysis centered dialogue of what are we going to do as opposed to what did we learn? Um, if, if we, if we start with what are we going to do, we can assume that's going to come from a place of, well, what did we learn? And therefore, what are we going to do? But the shift, that subtle shift in, in just the prompt um, can be super powerful and, and helping to engineer more progress. Uh, and there's a couple others we learn by doing, which is all about, you know, that there's actually actually so much learning that happens just in the doing. Um, and then the last one around normalizing feedback and this one might seem like it sort of sticks out maybe if you compare it to the other ones, but this connects to this idea that this really, this lever really is all about building momentum, engineering progress. And so what we found is that one of those key contributors is when teams feel comfortable giving feedback, right? And just seeing feedback as this enabler of growth, learning, and progress for a team. So how can you normalize it within your team so that you can continuously just generate more and more progress um, through that through that tactic? Sean, what would you add? Well, well yeah, I'm tempted here. I feel like we could have a an episode on like any one of these, and so I, I'm I'm trying to like how deep do I go on any of these without opening it all up? Um, so no particular reason, but maybe I'll just pick the normalizing feedback and add a little bit there. Um, it's at Joe's point. We, we've seen that when this, when, well, one norm feedback is, is not normal. Right. And so it, it, most teams it's infrequent, it's hard. It takes courage to muster up, um, because it's, you know, not happening often enough. It, and so you're, you're concerned on how it's going to be received. If you're the one giving it, if you're on the receiving end, you're, and you sense it's about to come fear might start to well up in you because it, again, it hasn't been normalized. Um, but when teams do start to figure this out, um, and the reason it's part of the momentum lever is that it can have such a huge impact, like one little bit of feedback on like, hey, uh, you know, being support, of course, balancing support and challenge is part of this too, right? And and feeling like you're, you're being very, you're giving precise praise at the right moment, but you're also giving some adjusting feedback when that's all there and 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 team members are embracing that then you can give quick feedback and it can change the course of something, right? And you can really start to make momentum in a meaningful way. I know that I think of all the times in my career when someone's been, um, my career when someone's been, you know, cared about me enough to want to help me grow and given me feedback in a way that I could hear it and how much it's helped me. Like, I can't think of probably anything else that's helped me more in my growth as a leader 
than someone coming alongside me and I could tell they cared for me. And because they cared for me, they were saying like, Hey, you need to work on this thing, you know, and, and here's some ways to do that. And similarly, when I've been able to do that with other people and they could tell that I cared for them, I've seen the impact it can make. So it can have such a huge momentum. I agree with Joe that it sort of feels like maybe not the most natural place you would think of. You might think about this in, you know, team related work or leadership, and it certainly is, but we put it here because of the impact it can have and, and starting to change things from a, from a moment, momentum perspective. That's great. Um, yeah, one thing while you were chatting, uh, Sean, is so my my brother uh, for a good portion of his military career was an F-15 pilot, which is just cool in general. But I, I talked to him a lot about their process. And before every like training mission, they do a hour long briefing. They fly maybe for an hour and then they debrief for like three to five hours. Like it can be literally that much debrief versus the actual action right but everything baked into it is around giving feedback so they look at all these different activities they look at all these different tactics okay was it a perception issue yada 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 or an execution issue but it's always coupled with feedback to the pilots and it is very very normal now you're in you know he, he talks about this a lot you're in a group with a lot of pilots who have higher egos in our very risk avert or not risk averse. And so it's like a really interesting melting pot of high ego, but also very, very hard and constructive feedback, but it is normalized. And it's just like cool to like hear his reflection on a lot of those things. But it's a great example of they get better as a group as you know, four ships flying together, they get better every single time they go and execute the same mission. That's awesome. Um, one thing uh, I'd love to tug on a little bit, just because I know you two um, very, very well, progress over perfection, right? Where I think you two have a, and actually the action even over analysis, you two have a really cool working relationship that I love getting to observe. Where I think, Sean, you're like, okay, let's try this out. Let's go. Let's do this action. And Joe, you have this keen eye on wanting everything that we do at Six Levers and Mission Matters Group to be excellent. And so it's this cool, like, just perfect combination of the right amount of analysis and perfection and then moving forward. And I'd love for you two to just work that out on the fly and just kind of like reflect <laughs> on that, um, because I think it's a really it's a it's kind of a superpower of this team um, to see that both present in you two. Joe, I think I'd let you start. And I think just because I'd love to hear kind of related to Josh's question, like maybe your reflection on how this lever has been helpful for you individually as a way to like start yeah. to answer this question? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think originally, I think Sean and I maybe felt like it was, it was like a, a tension that we didn't recognize as being a superpower, right? So there was this tension around, yeah. <laughs> you know, sort of me slowing us down more on the the side of perfection or excellence or you know this isn't ready for you know and oftentimes we're talking about content and and you know what we're sort of bringing to clients um and sean really centering this progress piece and like sort of it's in it's in a great shape it's going to bring value and so this tension sort of exists and i think it was it wasn't until over time that we recognized how helpful that tension was um, in ensuring both that we're bringing a high level of quality to our work 
and at the same time really embracing this mantra of like progress over perfection it doesn't need to be perfect can we can it can it be incredibly valuable to clients to ourselves internally and if so let's really embrace that um this was super i mean this was hard for me i think i came from a a culture prior to mmg where we you know excellence was was just such a part of our dna um and and it sort of it did feel paralyzing at times, right? Like if it wasn't top notch, first class, like it wasn't good enough sort of mentality. Um, and so for that, you just, hey, you spend more, you have a posture of spending more time on things, button up details that maybe really don't, don't matter all that much. Um, and so I think, you know, through that tension between Sean and I, uh, and through just seeing the value of it with, clients, the impact it had on me of feeling that progress and feeling motivated by it, it became this real liberating thing where it was like, you can both bring a high bar and excellence to the work and feel completely comfortable with it, not being perfect, but moving forward. Right. And just, and then I think the reality is once you do that a few times and you see that feeling and you you see that value that it does end up creating it's yeah it's it's liberating and it sort of becomes like a a new way of of working um so yeah it's it's been a a big learning for me I, i think the cool thing for me and i'll start by like what i've observed with joe and then i'll then i'll share some of my own stuff um but you know the cool thing for me is you know seeing early on when we started working with each other that Joe was holding that high bar of excellence and, and candidly, and we've, Joe knows this, like I, that would, we'd work through it all, but it would be frustrating for me at times to like, feel like we can't be moving faster. Um, when we, when we did start to then move on some things at a more of a, probably a pace that felt uncomfortable for Joe, I could see that, um, the next like time we do it, like we did it, like he was increasingly more comfortable because of because of what he just shared, like that he was seeing that it was having an impact, even though it wasn't maybe the way he was used to. And then on the flip, so that was cool. It's kind of like, I guess the the point there is that like when, when this happens and you get a little bit out of your comfort zone and you see the progress, it, it can build the hope uh, among the team to, to, to know that you're going to learn through the process of doing. So kind of back to that mantra, um, you know, and I, I think there's a couple of things that make this work though. I think that would have only been true if we were in fact committed to the learning by doing, right? It's not like doing, doing, doing. We're like, we're actually learning through doing, right? So that's the only thing that I think makes it work when people are in different places, like their natural disposition to, you know, when they're ready to release or launch something into the world, um, however big or small of an idea or concept it might be. If it doesn't have the, the learning piece in it, then it really isn't going to be fruitful, right? It's only okay to say we're going to move with some pace if we're building in these learning loops and, and committing to iterative improvement and development, right? That's why it ends up working. And that's how teams ultimately um, can build their confidence and faith that like it is possible to, to grow that way. Um, the other thing I would just say about my own myself is too, like this, this balance of kind of like the interpersonal differences among team members is it's really helpful for me to like slow down sometimes. Right? So we're talking about momentum, but um, there are some things where it's, it, you, we do need to say, well, hold on, this, this does require a bit more thoughtfulness and an extra layer of review and conversation before we 
before we move forward. So having the discernment amongst the team to know when to do that. Um, in the case of our team, you know, Joe was always bringing that voice. And, and I think candidly, like we just learned together, like, when do we, you know, when do we need to then go do that? And I could, I could almost, I feel like now I can sort of anticipate when Joe would do that. Like, I don't even, sometimes he'll still surprise me, but most of the time I'm like, I think he would ask me these things. So I'm going to actually just prepare for those things and, and try and get ahead of them as we, as we prepare for this, this new thing we want to do. That's great. One thing we talk about with momentum is like, it, it, it's also this feeling. So, right. I wasn't directly working with Joe and Sean, but on the outside, I could see this happening. I could see momentum building. And it's almost like we, we talk a lot about like sports teams and just watching a game where maybe you see a team that's down, an English premier soccer team that's down 2-0. Then all of a sudden they get a goal and then they tie it up and then they get that third goal and they actually end up winning and they were behind. And I think that's that's kind of what we're talking about here is that it's both observable in terms of progress and moving things along at a more rapid rate at a high quality. But also there's this feeling that you're like, okay, there's this hope that's being instilled that we can accomplish what we set out to do, which I think is a, a super, super fascinating thing. All right. So we've been chatting a bit about um, momentum in general, the momentum mantras, but there's additional building blocks. Could one of you dive a little bit deeper? What are some of those other building blocks? And then we can just um, expand from there. Yeah, Josh. So there's two main additional building blocks to the momentum lever. The first is we, we title it culture of feedback. So it's what what can you do inside of your organization to create a culture where where feedback is normalized? So it really builds upon that initial mantra and helps teams to create more of a practice of sharing feedback, getting better at receiving feedback, uh, installing different protocols and practices to make feedback um, more more routine and regular. Uh, and this really goes back to this idea of what's going to fuel progress, right? We know that, you know, one thing that's going to help build momentum more broadly is you create progress in your organization, right? Just like that soccer analogy that you shared earlier. Um, I got to see this tangent on Friday of this past week. Arsenal was down 3-1. It's the 88th minute. You think this game's over. Scored in the 88th scored in the 90th and if there would have been more time in the game we would have won that game right because the moment because we scored the goal we made the progress right and the next thing you know we score again and you could just feel this incredible energy so the question is how do you engineer that progress how do you get that to happen well one of the ways you do it is you listen to the feedback from maybe your coach or somebody from your team and that feedback is what triggers that goal to get scored, right? Because you go about something a little bit differently. So culture of feedback is all around how do we, you know, engineer progress through our feedback, right? And through learning from, from others on our team. Uh, and then the third one is very related, but we separate it intentionally. And it's about specifically about continuous improvement and sort of takes this team posture toward improving. Um, and, and this is, you know, all about what you probably think of when you think of continuous improvement. Um, but are, it's it's sort of what are the protocols and practices that you can wrap around the entire system so that it's continuously improving, it's evolving in a real intentional way, right? 
We talk about not letting strategic activities be subject to chance, right? Let's encode them into our work. And so the continuous improvement building block is just all about how can we maybe latch on to some rhythms that already exist um, and make sure that these different elements of the system are continuing to get better and better over time. Yeah, Joe, may I just jump in here with react to both of those additional two billion blocks. And I, you know, I shared a little bit about culture of feedback and normalizing feedback uh, earlier, but um, one other point I think to make for, for teams that are, or individuals that may be listening and feeling like you're, your team on your team and your organization, this is currently not normal, um, which I would imagine is both most organizations, by the way. So don't feel bad if that's you. I certainly probably was that most organizations that I worked in um, prior to being here at MMG and us, us working on this with intent. But by the way, like we have a lot of room to grow as organiza- all organizations do and even nor- continuing to make it even more normal in our in our culture. Um, but part of part of doing that includes this like multi-directional aspect of it. So I think one thing I just want as I was listening to you, Joe, talk about this, just want to make clear is that this is sometimes we think about this as like the manager to the people that report to them as like the way feedback moves. Um, and that that is one way. But when we're talking about this like culture of feedback, because because we the word culture is there just to say it's moving in all directions, right? It's moving peer to peer, it's moving from someone up to their manager in all ways. And that's really what starts to unleash this unstoppable momentum when that's happening in, in a very normalized way. Um, and then on the other building block, uh, continuous improvement, you know, one of the things that we, we, we've, you probably hear teams talk about organizations talk about continuous improvement a lot. I think I was in several environments where the idea and concept of it was embraced and and held up as important but i don't know that as a, as a person working in those organizations that i was always super clear what it actually tangibly looked like right so i was okay we're about continuous improvement cool like what are we doing to actually make that happen and that's where i sort of felt like conceptually to practically it, it sort of fell off and does fall off in a lot of organizations so um and this is, I think, a good segue into how we how we think about continuous improvement and other aspects of the framework. And, and really what we tried to do is to say encode it into the way that we work, whether it's bringing it into a, a key rhythm, right? So that, um, again, it isn't left to chance, but we've got time to work on continuous improvement each time we get together and do a quarterly sync as a team. Or as it relates to agreements about something that we want to improve on as a team and we're committing to it and we're committing again to when we review those agreements um, that we set together as a team. So, um, yeah, maybe we can keep talking about this one a little bit and how it, how it fits into the other levers. Well, Sean, I was just going to share the uh, I like the the way that you've sort of described that common posture that teams have with continuous improvement where it's like conceptually we get it and from a values perspective we agree with it right it's like we should be doing that but then in terms of how it ends up playing out it 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 seems like it's it's most of the time just applied at like an annual level to big structural things as opposed and and so it like it require it almost feels like it's it's this thing that requires a lot of maybe data collection you know, a lot of reporting before you can then go through a process where you, you know, whatever the protocol is, where you do something that aims to generate some continuous improvement. 
Um, and, and so in that way, it, it, it doesn't really feel like there's a culture of it. It feels like maybe once a year we do something related to it at a really high level or for the most important things. And we sort of think about this as, as almost the, the exact opposite of that, right? It's how can we create practices of continuous improvement at a micro level all the time, right? Um, so whether it's and, and sort of take the pressure off of what the requirements are to facilitate a continuous improvement protocol, right? The requirements are that like whoever is was involved in that thing should just be present to have a conversation about it in ideally a structured way. Mm-hmm. We talk about the, you know, the simplicity of a retrospective um, where you just ask simple questions like what went well, what didn't go well, and how can we, how are we going to improve? What action are we going to take to improve? Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do this internally, but we also, you know, teach our clients how to bring this, this ritual into their, their org as well. And it can be a 15 to 30 minute exercise that engineers progress, right. By placing mm-hmm. this lens of continuous improvement on here. So I just love that mm-hmm. you, I had, I hadn't thought about what that can look like and where, where it's like kind of just big picture structurally. We say we're about continuous improvement, um, and how, that doesn't really get it right. It, it's, it's, yeah. it is about this thing that yeah. should be happening more regularly and it doesn't require all of this pre-work to make it happen. Well, and the other, the other thing I would add here, Joe, is that it, it, I think a lot of our experiences, certainly my experience in organizations is that when we did then try and translate that to being more practical. So if we, if we're all about continuous improvement, what do we therefore need to, to do would look like, very complex process flow charts or logic models, mm-hmm. which I get, I always get the sense when I'm like, people are engaged in those activities. They kind of just know as they're doing it, is anything really going to change with this? Right. right. Is it, am I really going to be able to bring people on board to this thing, which is great work, like real thoughtful work, like going in and thoughtful, like understanding and listening to put those things together. But my sense is always people kind of know whether it's a consultant or the team's doing it that like the likelihood of it being embraced and practiced is probably pretty low. Right. And so, so, so much of this is about like, I love like what you just said with the retrospective, like how do we as, as leaders and teams think about, we embrace this ideal, this mindset, this value of continuous improvement. What are the simple things that we can do such as two retrospectives questions, right. And such as an agreement that looks like a sentence and and some other things like this that we know that we can we can we can do effectively. And if we're embracing these certain rhythms, how do we just make sure that we that we run through some continuous improvement protocols in those rhythms and to take away the complexity of this? Now, I say that to say this isn't easy. Like like making it simple is probably even is much more difficult, right? Taking the complex and distilling it down to something simple is 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 the difficult work to do. But I think from experience, we've seen that's where that's where teams are going to really start to gain momentum. Yeah, I think um, this this makes me want to come back, not not necessarily to like hop topics, but rather to point out like this is where the progress is fuel really sticks out to me. Like you boil it down on a personal level, right? Like, let's say I want to get healthier and maybe the thing that I can commit to right now is drinking a liter or, you know, a liter of water a day. And I do that for three weeks, four weeks, and that's it. And that's progress. And then maybe it's I, you know, get an additional hour of sleep. And I think to your point, Sean, we do make improvements sometimes 
project or initiative base as opposed to why don't we just try and give feedback for five minutes at the end of a presentation or something? It's these like little things mm-hmm. that help say, okay, we're making progress as a team. We are, we are, you know, action even over analysis. We don't need to make this a huge initiative. Um, so again, I think some of those those things just really stand out in terms of how do we make this more tangible for anybody in any part of a team in any organization to continue moving forward and generate momentum within their organization. Josh, I love, I love that little example you shared there because it's like, like, what if we just did this at the end of a meeting or presentation? And I think when I hear that, it's like, I would say if a team, if somebody we were working with were to say that and they were energized by it, we would, I would just look at them and say, try it. Mm-hmm. Like, seems like a great idea. Give it a shot. Like, see if it works. And maybe it will, maybe it won't, but you'll know if it did. Like, and if, if it doesn't work, like you can change pretty quickly, right? But if it does work, then you did a little thing that the team it liked and felt value in, and it's helping you to gain some momentum. Yes, Sean. But it looks, my point there is it can look different for every organization, right? Like whatever the thing is that's going to help them embrace some continuous improvement, it's so much of this is about like design and configuration for your team. Like with this idea, we're trying to aim for this thing. We're going to try and do this little practice when we do this, and let's see if it gets us to the intended objective. Yes, Sean, I think one of the most common outputs of the work that we do with clients in this continuous improvement lane is all of a sudden we see them really embracing the idea of experiments and experimental agreements where they Mm -hmm. commit to something for a quarter, a month, and it's bite-sized, it's not huge, there's a belief and a hypothesis that it's going to help them improve. But it's, it's short term, right? And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it's almost like this new posture of bite-sized. If it doesn't work, it can be an experiment. You know, we can, we can decide afterwards that we don't want to continue to do this thing. Um, but I love seeing teams begin to just really create this culture of we experiment with solutions to help us improve. Uh, and to get there, we just needed a little CI protocol to help us think about what might make most sense for us. We were talking, or Sean, you you alluded to it a little bit, but the intersectionality of momentum with other levers. Are there other key relationships between momentum and the other five levers that stand out to you all? We're just like, oh, we see this all the time. And it's just a great thing to be able to identify and really harness kind of the intersectionality of those two. I think the two that I'll just, I'll, I'll say a, a, again, but maybe to be more explicit is uh, certainly rhythms. And when we think about like the, the, the way that we design and encourage teams to design uh, their core rhythms would include um, making space for continuous improvement, right? And you may even make time for, um, something related to feedback. I mean, that's again, to the point of like configuring and designing in the way that makes sense. And, and to Joe's point around experimenting, um, what we encourage teams to do is like, just think about the overall operating system as it relates to a desire to, to grow in a certain area. So as, as opposed to just saying, 
we need to embrace continuous improvement. When we think about the way we operate as a team, how can we design and configure it so that isn't left a chance? One of those key ways is thinking about your rhythms and, and, and claiming space there again so it isn't left a chance, just not by happenstance. I think we all know that if we do that, time is so precious, it's going to get it's going to get snuffed out and you're not going to have it. Um, the, another, I think probably the second most obvious way is, uh, is through the building block of agreements in the cohesion lever. And we've talked about this a little bit, but agreements are a big part of team cohesion and they just relate to like really resolving tension, driving clarity to the way teams work together and they can be about anything, right? So certainly as it relates to something that you're trying to improve that, that uh, any member of a team feels needs improvement, they can elevate this idea, kind of raise their hand and say, maybe we need an agreement about this. If we're going to improve here, maybe we need an agreement about it. And it can even be um, as you're trying to grow your strength uh, and muscle around feedback, right? You could say like, what's an initial agreement we might have around, around getting better at feedback. And, you know, is there some protocols we can run to that and practice it as a team? You know, how might we, how might we just uh, embrace that more and grow in, in strength in that particular way? Yeah, I think along along with those, so I think those hit the some of the sort of structural ways you can bring more momentum and really harness this entire lever through other levers. Um, but I also think about with momentum, sort of the checks and balances for it. Um, so, you know, if you're if if when you hear progress over perfection, you start to worry that well, what if we're what if we're driving fat? What if this just makes us drive fast toward the wrong outcome? Um, then you might need to look at your focus or you might need to look at, are we aligned in our organizational identity? Have we defined our compass? So there's a couple of levers that I go to, to think about as almost like a check and balance for a mm -hmm. momentum lever that really accelerate if you think about momentum as really accelerating progress and moving teams forward um if you ever feel like ah, I'm, I'm a little worried about where this might be taking us go back to focus and the focus related to that work that you're doing um it could be you're doing big picture like you know strategic work you might need to look at your you know your three-year vision or definitely your annual goals and see like how is this connecting and aligning with that work um, or you might need to even pull up your compass, right? Your org identity and say like, you know, are we considering this as we're sort of moving forward at a quicker clip than maybe some of us are feeling comfortable? Um, and I think that that has been for me at times, what has actually been really helpful is we have a strong sense of our focus and our compass. And so in moments where we're moving fast to be able to pause for a moment and say, how does this align? Does this feel like, you know, good energy against those two? And if it does, you wind up feeling a lot more comfortable about that pace that you're, you're driving at. Hmm. Joe, the one thing I was going to add there to the identity piece specifically is um, thinking about your tenants. And so tenants being, the overarching principles and beliefs you, we have about how work should work are kind of like in many ways we think about it as like the beginning of the operating system and how you design everything else. So I think coming back to that as well to say one, like are, are these 
these things that we're doing to to embrace momentum are they in line with our tenants and i think joe to your point like there's there's a potential for like a check and balance there if anything were to get off skewed if you've got people like me maybe that are on your team that are pushing for progress and just going 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 someone could call out as a way and this is the beauty of these tools as opposed to it being like well i'm just not comfortable with that right well it's not it's not about what i want or what joe wants or what josh wants but it's about what have we said together is it matters to us and the way we work. And so you can call out that tenant and say, I wonder if this thing we're doing or this way that this pattern we've fallen into or this thing you're suggesting, is this in alignment with this particular tenant? And then we can have some conversation about it. So another way that you can see the intersection points with other levers here. Yeah, that's great. I, I feel like I should share this quote that I heard a buddy of mine, um, I was chatting with him and he's a, a leadership coach, but he's also like a backcountry exploration guide. And he shared this quote with me and he says, unsure of our direction, we often double our pace, right? So he's out there guiding in the backcountry places that you can get lost. You actually require a compass um, and you can get lost. Like there's all these horror stories out in the backcountry of people getting lost and being out for multiple days. But it's it's really true in terms of if we're unsure, we want to get there sooner. And so we start to move faster. And that is kind of the shadow side or the dark side of momentum in that if we are not clear on identity, if we are not clear on our focus, if we are not um, leaning into feedback and we start to go faster, we will get further and further off course. And it's just kind of like a, a great warning, it's not necessarily, I guess it is a warning sign to say, okay, let's make sure we are moving in the right direction so that our pace just doesn't get us a little bit off course or a lot of off course. Um, but anyways, I found that uh, super, super helpful and just a, a great mental model. Hmm. That's fascinating. That reminds me, Josh, I, don't, I, I haven't hiked nearly as much as Josh, but I was one time I was in uh, Mueller Park in Colorado with my brother and we got lost. And sure enough, we started, we told ourselves, let's start running. We were hiking and we picked it up and we we're like, we got to get out of here. Like we're going to be here forever if we don't, if we don't pick up the pace. And so we, with no idea how to get out of there, we decided the best thing to do was to start running. Isn't that amazing? It's <laughs> great. We got out at some point. How long did it take? We got out eventually. I think we ran for like an hour and then ran out of breath and, and, uh, started hiking again and eventually heard a car and we're like, we're near a road somewhere. <laughs> so there's a lot of wisdom in that. I have a few stories like that, but that will be for another time. Um, <laughs> that's great. Well, cool. We are, uh, we're pretty much at time, but I'd love to, again, this is the, to what Sean said, the essence of the framework. We want to make sure we're making progress over perfection. And so the last bit of time, we want to make sure we're giving guidance advice. And so I'd love to hear from you, uh, Sean and Joe, if someone was thinking about embracing the momentum mantras, and let's say they're not doing well at any of them or, or embracing them, is there one that you would start with and how would you go about starting with it? Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I think the, my mind, I'll just admit that my mind has been on like normalizing feedback quite a bit lately. I, when saying this, I don't know that I'm offering that it's for sure the best place to start or the easiest place to start. Um, but I think I'm just becoming so increasingly convinced that when teams can do this, it has such power in that 
in some ways it is at least somewhat easy to understand conceptually, right? Not to say it's easy to do. I don't think it is at all. It takes a lot of, it takes practice to continue to get better. Um, but maybe that's exactly why it is the right place to start because it does take practice. You know, it's not something you can just say, we're going to start doing this and boom, we've got to transform culture where it is normalized. It does take practice. And so I think like step one would just be like having conversation with your team around like, how do we think we're doing with this? Like, do we agree with the idea that it could help us to, to make some progress and speed up some momentum, some on momentum on some things that maybe feel stuck. And if you find alignment there, then maybe say, okay, well, what's one thing we could do to begin to practice this as a team and, and, and just, you know, flush out what that might look like, what that might, that one thing might look like where, and then kind of have a mini agreement around feedback and then get into it and, and make adjustments along the way. I think maybe two thoughts. I think one, the easiest place to probably start would be to just have an alignment conversation around progress as fuel and just sort of reflecting on that, which is really at the backbone of the entire momentum lever. And so having a conversation around how do we feel about progress for our own team? Um, how do we, you know, how do we see this fueling ourselves? What are the use cases where it happens? And just sort of checking in with it and appreciating it. Um, but then I think the, the 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 first one I always go to is is progress over perfection. And I might, you know, have a team complete a quick sort of self self-reflection where, you know, scale of one to 10, where would you say we fall in terms of embracing this specific uh, mantra and have a mini dialogue about it, you know, um, whip around, have everyone share out, and then try to come up with a few ways in which you can better embrace it. What oftentimes happens there is you notice some tension that maybe hasn't been talked about uh, that exists amongst the team, right? Uh, this happened somewhat organically for Sean and I uh, years ago. But, you know, through that tension identification, the team can have a healthy conversation about maybe what is holding them back from truly embracing that mantra and identify a few ways to to improve, um, improve living that out. That's great. Um, one thing I was thinking about that, Sometimes I have these, I, like we all have work products that we're responsible for, right? Whether it's um, a plan or a blog post or, you know, a, a training session, we have these things that we're responsible for. And sometimes we want to make those things perfect. So I do this sometimes where it's like, okay, I have a plan for our business development. And sometimes I have it in my head, but I don't put it down on paper because I'm like afraid it's not like perfect or something, or, you know, I don't want people to see it like we tell our stories are these stories in our head all the time so that's one thing i've been trying to do since the beginning of the year where i'm like get it down on paper then normalize feedback as well how can i send it to somebody that is kind of safe for me but i'm like hey can you give me feedback on this before i share it with other people so i'm trying to like kill two birds with one stone sometimes where i'm like okay i i need to make progress in my own life when getting things on paper but I can also serve two purposes of me accepting feedback and asking for feedback regarding a work product. And that work product will give us the foundation for asking for or normalizing feedback at a harder time later on. Um, but that's been effective for me um, over the last few months. Um, but still a lot mm -hmm. of work to go. Yeah, you know, one quick story that, or just example, I think that I'm realizing is common, Josh, you're teeing up for me. You're making me think of as you share that is, 
how often have we, have any of us been around like the, the working on the, the presentation deck that just has to be perfect. And I know that, you know, I had a few like side consulting clients before I joined MMG and I'm thinking of one in particular where we must've done like 47 revisions on like a 10 slide deck. And it's like what no one called during that, sure many of us thought it, but was like, what are we hoping to achieve with this deck? Like, and will these, you know, will the, did the 32nd, 34th, 41st round of revision, did it achieve what we, well, we, we, we don't know because we didn't even answer that question at first, right? If it had just been to like get a reaction, tee up some conversation or to, you know, get the investor to give us some feedback. Well, probably the fourth version would have done that, right? Versus, you know, and so, and I hear, I still hear team, stories from peers for that are working in big organizations who are like, this is, what'd you do this week? Oh, well, I worked on this one deck that was going to the X committee, right? <laughs> it's like, so again, like what's the objective we're trying to achieve and, and, and how do we embrace more of a momentum mindset to get to that objective without having to go through these never ending loops of creating something, um, just occurs to me that there's a connection between that like common scenario and, and yeah. what we're trying to help teams embrace with this idea of momentum. Did that group, did they late, was it pre like Google drive and everything? Did you have like version one through ver version 47 of a word? document? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was Google drive. Um, yeah, it, you know, and, and of course, by the end of, by the way, end of the story was like, I, I don't, I'm not convinced at all that all those rounds of revision did any good. And, yeah. you know, and you often end up at probably in a worse place. <laughs> the more you, the more you do that work, there probably you were at the very beginning. So, yeah, but thankfully we did have Google Drive. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. We covered the uh, momentum lever. Um, tune in next time. We'll be diving in. Um, have a good one. See ya. See ya.